everyone. Welcome to the Learning to Sit Still podcast. I'm Sarah, your host, and I want to say thank you for choosing to take a few moments to listen. If you are new to the podcast, I am so glad you're here and be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure you don't miss any upcoming shows. Now, I don't know if you know, but today is National Princess Day. Yes, that's an actual thing. And I found this absolutely fascinating, especially since my name means princess. Now, since I like trivia, I have a little piece for you about the first official princess. The first princess is likely the first woman known to history Nethotep. She was from Nakata, not far from the present-day city of Luxor, located in Egypt. Nakata was subjugated by the king of Thinus, whose name was Narmer, who united the upper and lower kingdoms of Egypt and founded the first dynasty of Egypt. Nethotep became his queen, and it is quite possible the marriage was part of a peace treaty between the two kingdoms, with the victorious king marrying a prominent royal daughter from the other kingdom to seal the peace. It is also possible that Nethotep ruled in her own name for a period after the death of her husband and before their son Hora rose to power. Although the royal capital was at Thinus, she was buried in Nakata. Both the fact that today is National Princess Day and that the first princess was part of setting up the first Egyptian dynasty, it's fitting for this episode since we will be talking about an Egyptian princess who came face to face with the truth of what her father was doing and had to make a choice, one that would alter the history of her people forever. We are back in our study on the Daughters of Eve, and the princess I am referring to is the daughter of Pharaoh. But before we go into her story, we need to back up just a little. If you listened to episode 32, we talked about how Pharaoh began to fear the Hebrew people since they continued to multiply rapidly. His first plan was to have the two Hebrew midwives, Pua and Shipra, kill all male children, but they chose to obey God instead. When this plan failed, Pharaoh thought of another way, toss every male child that was born into the river. This announcement, no doubt, made every Hebrew's blood turn cold. What should be a happy time of welcoming a new child was dreaded when the words, it's a boy, were stated, words that were pretty much a death sentence. There was one family, however, that chose to trust God over their fear and fought to protect the life of their son. For three months, they hid him away in their home. There is no way to even begin describing what that must have been like during that time. Many of us would have been afraid, but Hebrews 11.23 gives us a little insight into their decision. They were not afraid of the king's command. They knew that the law was wrong, and by faith, they leaned on God, trusting in him to protect their child. They had no idea who he would become. To them, they simply wanted their child to live, like every parent. And we are told that this baby boy was handsome, but that was not the reason they fought so hard to protect him. Sometimes it is easy to be intimidated by the world, especially those in power, but fear is never to control or decide what we do. This is where faith comes in. We choose to believe in the promises of God, to trust in his care and love for us. Love is the only antidote to fear. 1 John 4, 18 tells us there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. The word perfect carries the idea of complete. A complete love casts out fear. And we have been given a complete love, a love that comes from fully understanding and grasping the love God has for us. This couple had a complete love that casted out their fear of Pharaoh. 
and gave them the courage to take a stand. Now, when three months had gone by, they realized something had to be done. This was not a panic mode. We need to understand this. But realistically, they knew they could no longer hide the fact that their family had grown. Jacobed took the next step of faith, and she built a little ark of bulrushes for her beautiful son and placed him by the river's brink. Now, I think this is where Sunday schools have led us down a slightly altered path. Now, please note, I'm not saying anything bad about Sunday school teachers, but when I was little, it was always told to me that the baby was put into the river and the idea was that it was like floated down. But that's not what this verse says. And it wasn't until a few years ago that I realized that error. I truly believe that Jacoba took a chance, even a gamble, if you will. Why did she choose to place her son at the river's edge? And what made her decide on that particular spot? She did not just put him randomly in there. I think it was because she knew Pharaoh's daughter would walk by. You know, Pharaoh's daughter, I'm sure, had a particular habit. And if people knew her long enough or observed her, they would figure that out. And Jacobin knew her child might have a chance to be found. And I also think we need to stop for a moment and think about this action. Jacobin loved her son. There can be no doubt to the great love she had for him. After all, she had risked everything to keep him safe these past three months. But now she was willing to put him in a place of vulnerability in order to save him. Think about that. We so often hold tightly onto what we love to protect it with all our strength and might and we're unwilling to let it go. We feel that if we can protect it with everything we have and hold onto it tightly, nothing can happen to it. But sometimes that's the exact opposite. Of what can happen. This mother truly let go. She let go of her son completely, literally, and placed him almost, you could say, in God's hands by putting him in the river and letting God have his way. She didn't just place him in that river. She literally placed all her faith in a loving God based on all the knowledge she had of Jehovah that he would deliver her child. And I'm going to ask you how many of us would be willing to do that? How many of us would be willing to let go completely off of anything, let alone our our child, to the point where our child is in a place of vulnerability and we choose to trust on God and fully rely on him? I have nothing but the utmost respect for this mother. She did all she could, but in the end, she had faith in the goodness and sovereignty of her God. She knew God loved her child. She knew that God had a plan that this child was not here as a random piece, a random person, if you will. God had a reason for placing that child with her. And he has a purpose for everyone's life. And Jacobed trusted in that sovereignty of her God. Now, I also want to point back to my earlier questions of why and what. Why did she place her son there and what made her choose that spot? And I believe that we are to have faith, but not reckless. Jacobet didn't just place her son at some random place. I believe she laid the foundation by wisely placing her son there, but trusted God for the results. So I believe we are called to make decisions with wisdom. We are to have faith, but to couple it with wisdom because, you know, faith is not stepping off the mountain, expecting God to catch us. You know, there's, there is a limit to that. So faith coupled with wisdom. And I believe Jacobed shows us that and her faith would be rewarded. Now let's switch gears a little and focus on the princess since it's national princess day. This princess decided it was time to take a bath and her maidens walked the perimeter, probably keeping an eye out for any people who could see her in this very delicate state, as well as any large animals that could cause harm. As the princess is washing, she catches sight of the basket. 
And like most women, curiosity got the better of her, and she sent a maid to fetch it. Exodus 2 verse 6 tells us exactly what happens when she opens it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. I want to break this verse apart and dig into it a little bit more. First, she saw the child. I understand that the word saw is pretty basic, but it implies that she looked. How often do we not even look? We live in a world that is in need, yet we often look away. There are people in need, yet we refuse to see that need. You know, action begins first with knowing there is something we need to respond to. And we only know because we first see. To see is the first step to making a difference. And that is what we have been called to do as Christians. Can I ask you, when was the last time you truly looked around at those God placed by your river's edge? They are not there at random. We are called to look and to see. You you will find that in scripture that Christ saw the multitudes and he had compassion. He had to see. You look at your children and you know they have a need because you see them. You notice that they're sad. You notice that they are maybe depressed. You notice that they're happy. You see these things. You see their expressions. But yet we choose to ignore that in our world today. Perhaps it's because our plate is very full and we feel that if we look, we'll have to do something. And perhaps that's one of the reasons that we just choose not to look. But can I encourage you, my friend? Don't turn a blind eye. We're not called to do that. We are called to make a difference and we do that by looking around. God places people in our lives for a reason. It's not that he wants to overwhelm you and say, well, you need to. He says, I planned for you to help them because you have something they need. They need a part of you. They need your compassion. They need your love or you can help them overcome this problem. And if we don't look, we are ignoring God's placement in their in our lives for these people and we're choosing to not be a blessing and aren't we called to do that so i just want to encourage you take time to look take time to observe and see god who do you have for me today that i can be a blessing to that you want me to see and maybe have compassion and that leads us into the next part because the next part of the verse says the child wept and she had compassion And this word means to spare, to have pity. And I I found that kind of interesting because in essence, what she would do later is she spared his life. Her compassion really was to have pity and that pity led her to spare his life. Now, this princess was more than likely a mother at the time, and she would have understood the great sacrifice this child's mother was willing to do in order for her son to have a chance. Because you think about it, she is a mom. She sees that this mom is willing to let go of her child, to place him in such a vulnerable spot. That's a sign in her eyes of desperation. Now, we know Jacobet did that in faith, but for this um, pagan princess, she sees that as, wow, this mom's really desperate. And at that precise moment, the child wept and the princess's heart just melted and she had pity on him. And it was in that moment she made up her mind to spare him. Her next sentence shows that she also knew who had left him in the river. This is one of the Hebrews children. It wasn't, it was very obvious. She was looking at the results of her father's order. She was staring into the truth of what he had done. Sometimes It's easy to ignore something if it has no name or face. The abortion industry is built on that. They choose not to show you the ultrasound. They choose to label it as a blob of tissue because 
that's easier than the truth because most women who see an ultrasound choose to keep their baby because they are face to face with the truth. We can push it out of our mind and our conscience as long as we don't have to see it, but not with this princess. She was forced to look it square in the eye, literally. Here was a three-month-old baby boy, a child that was ordered to be thrown into the river at birth, all because of her father's fear of being overthrown. She was aware that this was going on. She knew that the baby boys were dying, but had she ever done anything to stop it or even spoken up against it? We don't know. But at this moment, when faced with the incredible lengths one Hebrew mother would go to save her son, she had a decision to make. Often when we are confronted by the truth, it makes a difference and it causes us to react instead of sit passively by. Now, what would this royal woman do? She acted with compassion, a compassion that made a difference. The baby's sister, who had been standing nearby, acted in the moment and asked if the princess would need a nurse. And when she said yes, the young girl immediately went and fetched Jacobed. Pharaoh's daughter tells the woman that she is to nurse the child and she will pay her for it. Now, between you and me, I have a little hunch that she knew this was the mother. It was another opportunity for her to show compassion from a mother's heart to another mother's. This might be my favorite part in the story because Jacobed received in love what had been handed over in faith. It's a great reminder to keep our hands open, to not be so tight-fisted in life, but rather be willing to hand over to God everything we have and trust in him and his timing, whether we should have it back or not. He is all-knowing and all-loving. He will never deny us anything that is good. Jacobed chose to trust God with her son and he rewarded her faith by allowing her to have him back under the protection of the daughter of the one who wanted him dead. Now tell me that's not ironic. Not only that, but she was paid to take care of her own son. I am sure it was hard for her to take him back to the princess, but there was also a joy that was stronger because she knew he would be safe. He was under the care of the one who had already protected him from death. And it's at this point that the child is given a name by Pharaoh's daughter. Now, did Jacobed give her son a name? Maybe, maybe not, but we never know. But it is, it is Pharaoh's daughter's name that stays with him, Moses. Why? Because I drew him out of the water. And what I find interesting is that this is the name he'll stay with. This is the one we know him by. This is the one that he is called by by a pagan princess, a name that stayed with him. And it was a reminder to all of where he came from and of God's faithfulness to those that put their trust in him. Every time Moses's name was spoken, it was, I drew him out of the water. And that would remind whether they were pagan, the Egyptians or the people of Israel. Oh yeah, Moses, he's the one that was saved by God out of the water. And I think it's just a constant reminder that God is faithful to those who put their full, complete trust in him. Now, these two women would play a part in changing the history of two nations. Jacobed chose to trust God, to let go of her son and place him in a very vulnerable position to save his life. And she saw her faith rewarded. While she never would see all the amazing things God was going to do through her son, there's a chance that she knew he was destined for something great because I believe she understood that God never wastes a person. There is a reason for every life. And her courage and willingness to place her faith in God meant that Israel would have a leader, one that would guide them out of the land of bondage and into the promised land. How different would it have all been 
Had she trusted in herself, had she gripped her son tightly instead of letting him go? As for the princess, she had a father who was a leader without conscience, who had no regard for human life. But his daughter was a woman of compassion, who was willing to open her eyes and see the truth. She had her own courage, since I am sure it came as quite a shock to her father that his own daughter had spared the life of a child he deemed expendable. I would have loved to witness the exchange between father and daughter. I'm pretty sure it was something. And for myself, I wonder how much longer the execution of newborn males continued after this. But this woman of royal birth had a compassion that made a difference. But what's interesting is it would also affect her own country. This child that she spared would be used by God to bring Egypt to its knees, forever changing it. Yet her greatest lesson to us is the fact that we must see before we can act. I want to emphasize this point one more time because I believe we are failing in this area as Christians. James 2 Verses 15 through 17 says, If rather a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? Even so, faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. How is it that we can look at someone and yet be so blind to their needs? This illustration has someone in need of the basic essentials of life, food and clothing, yet all the people say to them is be warmed and filled, unwilling to give them what they need. We're not talking about wants. We are talking about a basic essential. How can we claim to be people of faith if we don't act on our faith? As James says, that kind of faith is dead. Why? Because it's alone. It's not accompanied by action. We are so often wrapped up in our own little world, our own needs and wants that we don't take the time to look around. Or perhaps, again, maybe just we're afraid to look around because we'll have to act. We can't say, well, I didn't know. I think sometimes we just don't want to know. Or maybe it's because we'll have to sacrifice something of our own want or maybe time. This princess made a decision to care for this Hebrew boy, but do you have any idea what that was like for her? Royal or not, she adopted a child that was not hers, but one of, of, of low birth that was made to be a slave. That, that's what they viewed this, this child's lineage as. Yet she never backed away. Are you willing to have that kind of courage? To see something and be willing to do it because it's right? To take that opportunity and share God's love to someone and have a chance to make a difference for eternity? Remember, we're not given this life for us. It's not about us. Our life was not given for our benefit. It's not given to us so we can be successful for ourselves. It's not given to us to see how far we can go. It's about others. And that's beyond our family. That is why we're here. We are here to make a difference in the lives of others and to take as many as we can to heaven with us because other people are the only things we'll take to heaven. Everything we work for, every job, every promotion, every material item, it, it's all going to be left behind, but not people. People are the only things that are worth an eternal investment. And I pray that myself included, we will never turn a blind eye to a situation that God has led us to, but rather walk with eyes that are ready to respond to his leading, no matter where that will take us. Are we ready to do that? And with that question, I would like to wrap up today's episode. I know it's a little hard and please know that 
My desire with this podcast is to encourage us to know God better, to help us grow in our relationship with God so that we will be ready to do what he has called us to do and make a difference. Now, as we come to the end of the podcast, I just want to take a quick moment to remind you that the second edition of the Sit Still My Daughter magazine is available to purchase. The digital version can be downloaded via the website for $6.99 and the hard copy can be pre-ordered. I will be picking them up next week. I'm actually really excited to hold them in my hand and begin to mail them, meaning you will receive it in the mail by the 1st of December. This magazine also makes a beautiful and meaningful Christmas gift for a family member or friend. Simply put their email address in at checkout for the digital copy and they will get it right away or you can put their mailing address for the printed copy. I know that the articles tucked inside will bless, encourage, and inspire you. So just go to sitstillmydaughter.com and get a copy or follow the link in the show notes. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you have a moment, would you leave a review? This helps others find the podcast when they search. And I also want to take a quick moment to wish each of you a happy princess day because we all are princesses since we are daughters of the king. And I hope that you never forget that, especially on days when life is overwhelming and difficult. Remember, you are a princess under the protection of the great king of love who loves you with an everlasting love. Thank you.